With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy sports entertainment lives here. Ovechkin accelerates in. Toe drags. Gorgeous. He's gone. Welcome to Fantasy Hockey Life, presented by Fantrax. Lead pass up to Pedersen. It is Pedersen. It shoots. Score! Your source for information and analysis to help you with your fantasy hockey league. Here's your host, Jesse Severe. Hey, hey, did you miss me? This is the Rip Van Winkle of Fantasy Podcasting. Jesse Severe, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantrax HQ, the best place in the world to play your fantasy leagues and to read and listen to podcasts about your fantasy sports. That's right, and I am back. It's been about two and a half months. Uh, anything much happened in the world since I've last been on? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> let's just say my last episode was right before society went crazy on us, sports were canceled on us, and uh, fantasy hockey was sort of pulled out from underneath us, right? As it was coming to the conclusion, to the climax, we're not getting that one back, folks. No matter what happens going forward, your fantasy hockey season ended probably prematurely, except in the most extreme cases of ending your league schedule early. So what do we do now? What what do we talk about? Well, that's part of the deal. I had always said that when we got to the end of the regular season, the end of the fantasy hockey playoffs, my real plan was to back away for a few weeks uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, let that play out, so to speak, because I don't really get into the uh, fantasy hockey Stanley Cup playoffs thing. That's not really my my beat, my speed, but there's never a bad time. For Dynasty, there's never a bad time for reflecting back on the last year, learning lessons, and preparing for next year. So today I've got a little bit of uh, get myself back in game shape, get myself uh, stretched out, the rust shaken off, and trying to get back into this podcasting business. Most likely a lot of the content that will be coming ahead in coming weeks will be about Dynasty hockey and about some of the season wrap-up stuff. So my plan today is to talk about a couple of players who overachieved this year, talk about uh, some guys that I want to highlight in that vein, and then I'm going to do a couple of other neat things that I haven't done here before. Normally, we have our sellies and chirps segment, and uh, that comes on the end of our streamers discussion and talks a little bit about accountability for the choices we make. Well, as I have said a couple of times in passing, 
I want to look back and see what we got and what kind of conclusions or lessons we can get out of a year worth of streaming. And then I want to talk a little bit about reflection on some of the great things, great exciting things that I've had to enjoy here in the first year of Fantasy Hockey Life. I'm not planning on going away. We're almost 12 months into this endeavor. This is the 52nd episode, and we have had some amazing guests, some amazing luck here, and I want to talk about that. Without further ado, let's talk about some top-shelf overachievers and breakouts. Here's Ryan O'Reilly. The shot, he scores! O'Reilly ripped that one top-shelf where Mama hides the cookies! Well, I'll give myself a pat on the back sometimes, but sometimes I have to say that I missed on somebody, the market missed on somebody, and there are new players who uh, probably are very obvious to you if you can remember back to March and where things were then and how much they may have helped you in your season. But seasons we don't want to miss, trends we don't want to miss. One defenseman who just went nuts this year, Neil Pionk. Pionk moves in. Pionk to the net. He scores! What a goal! I started the season with this guy 41st among D-men. It looked like he would have a Josh Morrissey problem coming into the year. And for the first part of the season, there was always the question that uh, Big Buff was going to be an option to return. Remember, there was a lot of uncertainty. He was kind of holed up wherever he was, and there was a thought of maybe he would come out of his uh, quasi-holdout, quasi-retirement as the season went along. Never happened. Finally split with the Winnipeg Jets, but Neil Pionk took the job and ran with it. In his 24-year-old season, He had six goals and 39 assists in 71 games. He took 177 shots, and three of his goals, 22 of his assists, came on the power play. He had 165 hits, 78 blocks, and he went from 21 to 23 in average time on ice. You know, we might have guessed that a move from the crowded Rangers blue line to just this aping gap in the Winnipeg blue line would help him. But geez, uh, nobody, nobody saw this coming to this level. He was third in the NHL in defensive power play time on ice. Only Tory Krug and John Carlson had more than that. And he, frankly, uh, was one of the top 20 top 30 players in fantasy hockey, depending on how you judge it. Now, remember, for those who haven't been around for a while or who forget, I weigh the peripheral stats heavily. I look at standard deviations at Z scores above and beyond what they do, plus uh, a little bit of an adjustment based on position. And defensemen are one position you have to give an adjustment for when you get a guy who does 45 points, 25 on the power play, and he also racks up the hits and shots. That is an incredibly valuable player for fantasy hockey. The market missed. Okay, I had him uh, 41st among D-men, I said, uh, but Fantrax ADP said he was the 63rd D-man drafted in terms of ADP. Second guy to talk about is JT Miller. Whoa, JT Miller. I knew he was having a very good season. Some Vancouver fans may be looking at me incredulously that I seem to miss what kind of a season he had. I'll admit, Vancouver's always kind of a blind spot for me out on that West Coast playing those late-night games. But in my simple Z-score ranks, he came out eighth among skaters. 
In a couple of other leagues I was in, his league rank was in the upper teens if you actually looked in the systems and Fantrax and Yahoo. The jump from 14 average time on ice to over 20 was absolutely huge. The move to the Vancouver top line was huge. You know, I, I, I really thought about JT Miller when he was in Tampa Bay as being wasted, as being kind of buried on a lower line and not properly utilized. If you look back on it, he had Steven Stamkos for a good part of the prior year, along with a rotating cast around him, but he certainly never had a lead role. He's normally been about two-thirds of a point per game this year. He was over one. How much over one? Well, let me tell you. Let's break it down a little bit. 69 games, 9 power play, 18 even strength, goals for a total of 27. On assists, he had 27 even strength, 16 power play, 2 shorties. That added up to 45 assists. So all told, we've got 72 points in 69 games, along with 165 shots. Now here's the biggie. 123 hits. That's not a hit number that you normally get with that type of offensive points. 16.7, uh, 16.4% is not way past his career 14.1% average, and he had 15% at Tampa Bay. So uh, that's a nice trend over the past couple of years. And even uh, 425 faceoff wins, that was 45th in the NHL. And that's a guy with dual wing eligibility. If you happen to be playing in a faceoff league, that's a real sweet thing to have to add to your centers, a nice winger who can rack up a few bonus faceoff wins for you. Okay, now how impressive is something like that in terms of hits? And why am I freaking out about it? Well, there's 20 guys who averaged more than a point per game last year. And let's limit this to people who have played at least 50 games. The highest in hits per game was 1.29 hits per game, except for JT Miller, who had almost half a hit more at 1.78. And, and left wing, right wing eligible. This is a guy who could win you your league in 2019-20 and is poised to continue to be a dominant force in fantasy hockey. I started out the year with this guy, 40th in winger ratings, 125th skater, 153rd overall. That's uh, the market was saying 161st overall. I blew it on that. The market blew it. He blew up. And what's the lesson of this? Neil Pionk, JT Miller, always draft former Rangers, apparently, once they leave the team. Sometimes it takes a year. For our next player, we must return to the past to understand the full context. And specifically, we need to return to the period of Emperor Justinian I in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, in 532 of the Common Era. Uh, there were athletic contests at that time in a place called the Hippodrome. Very neat place, big old columns, downtown Istanbul. And uh, there was a huge uh, stadium full of fans who uh, were uh, viewing a game at this time in 532, were viewing the chariot races, and they were on two sides. There were the Blues and the Greens. They were the two major parties who had that kind of influence in the Byzantine era. And there was uh, a riot, a riot at one of these uh, because of the awful taxes that the emperor was dropping on the people. That is uh, a very repressive regime that was going on at that time. And 
the crowd as they uh, completely freaked out, celebrated, partied, uh, took over, and and uh, sort of generally started a riot. Had a battle cry that started in the uh, hippodrome on that day, and it was Nika, Nika, Nika. And uh, you know, for a long time, it was believed that that was because it was the Greek word for freedom. But in actuality, uh, more recent archaeology has determined that uh, it was a current Rangers center who time traveled back to 532 AD, uh, AD CE, whatever you want to call it. And that was Nika Zabanajad. And in fact, the crowds were chanting his name, and that's why they got so worked up and started to celebrate. I thought I liked Mika Zabanajad going into this year. I, I, I do like him. I own him in multiple leagues. In his preseason, uh, Fantrax ADP was 80, Yahoo 81. That was the number 61 skater. My projections would have actually put him up at 38 overall, but I bumped him down. I bumped him down to my 23rd center, and it wasn't because I didn't think that he would put up stats. It was because of that famous position flexibility, and I think I'm learning a lesson about that here. You want position flexibility, but you also want good players, and Mika... Mika was a darn good player this year. The man who started riots in 6th century Istanbul would have actually been 16th this year. That's how high his stats scored. But keep in mind something, folks. He played 57 games. He was hurt. That's been a problem that he's had multiple times in his most recent career, is missing games due to significant injuries in three of his four years in New York. If he had played 72 games at the pace he played 57, my projections say he would have been the seventh highest scoring player in fantasy hockey. <laughs> Some may remember in the preseason uh, an unfortunate incident with my good buddy Ben Burnett when I was trying to help him draft, and I was trying to decide whether he was giving me guidance to draft Mika Zibanejad. He had a very bad uh, very bad connection, and I was drafting for him in a Yahoo League. And I, I wanted to pick Mika. I wanted to pick Mika. While I was hoping to hear from him, time ran out. We auto-drafted Tuka Rask, and Ben is a Rangers fan too. So this season, uh, my guilt trip has never abated on that point. Here's what Mika did. 23 goals. Uh, 23, I'm sorry, 23 even strength goals. 15 power play Three shorty for a total of 41 goals. Then on assists, 20 even strength, 12 power play, two shorties. That's 34. That's 75 points in 57 games. Good Lord. 208 shots, 19.7% shooting percentage. Well, you have to to get that many goals on that many shots. He had 49 blocks, 51 hits, not zeros there, not zeros. So uh, Mika's a Benajad, man. He was just amazing this year. You have to think with that team and everything that's coming around him and Artemi Panarin and all those types of things, this guy is going to be incredible as long as he can stay healthy. He's in his prime right now, and New York needs to take advantage of that. I want no part of Mika Zibanejad and the Rangers when we get into this abbreviated playoff situation that's about to start. I uh, see that there's some projections that say that they may play Carolina in the first round, and my Capitals may have to play the winner of that in the second round. I don't really like either of those opponents because I think the Rangers, with their young legs, they might 
just be a little bit better than they looked early in the season. Now, another guy who I will say it would not be a complete episode of Fantasy Hockey Life without mentioning him, Big Brady T. Yahoo was 94 on him in the preseason. Fantrax 180 or 141. That's ADPs we're talking about. I had him significantly higher than that. I took him aggressively. I took him up to the fourth round in some drafts, and he ended up as the sixth ranked skater in my personal projections. Now, the peripherals are a good part of that. He's probably a 50 to 55 point producer uh, over time, but it's the shots and it's the hits that go along with that that make him so incredibly dominant. He had 303 hits in 71 games. That was second in the NHL. Ryan Reeves had 316. In comparison, uh, if you look at the last couple of years, Ryan Reeves led the NHL in hits the year before with 305, okay? That was in 82 games. This was 71. And before that, the year before, 278 led the league. So Brady Kachuk would have easily surpassed all the, uh, sorry, Ryan, goons who had been throwing hits like crazy in the last couple of years with very, very significant offensive ability this year. Combine that with 259 shots, which were eighth in the NHL. Uh, Ottawa is a blank slate. Brady Kachuk is the player on that team, and we will see how far he is able to take them when they're uh, able to surround him with just some kind of talent. He got to play with uh, with John Gabriel Pajot for much of the season. That guy was traded to the Islanders uh, late toward the trade deadline there. He needs some good line mates. He is kerosene waiting for a match. What was the total damage? 19 goals, uh, even strength, two power play. 17 even strength assists and six power play. 43 blocks. Yeah, it's all right, but you'd think more considering that uh, incredible, incredible other uh, stats that you got from the more peripheral positions. One of the reasons for that is he was one of the highest in terms of percentage of offensive deployment. Well, you're the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> if you manage to get yourself an offensive zone start, you may as well put somebody out there who gives you some kind of a chance of doing something. He was 19th out of 125 skaters that had more than 1,500 times on time on ice this year in terms of his offensive start percentage. But his on-ice shooting percentage was terrible. That's what happens when you're with the Ottawa Senators. That's how you end up with the type of talent that he has, but only 23 assists and 21 goals on the season, 7.2% on-ice shooting percentage. That's 99th out of those 125 players. I think we've all been talking about Andre Svechnikov as a guy who's going to be a star, who's going to break out. He's got that elite draft capital that he came from. Well, I have to admit, I didn't see the type of breakout he was going to have this year in the Carolina lineup. I had him as my 125th ranked skater coming in to the season, 40th at each wing, and ended up top 10 at each wing, top 25 overall. Svechnikov had 18 even strength and six power play goals, 24 even strength, 14 uh, power play assists for a total of 38 assists. He did that in 68 games, 61 points. 183 shots, that's a 13.1% shooting percentage, not incredibly crazy for a guy like him. 
Here's one thing that I would say gives him an opportunity to grow even further. Sometimes we look and we say, well, you know, career year, this might be his ceiling. It might be all he can do. You know, let's not go crazy thinking that we can project continued rise. Where are we going to see it from? Well, Svechnikov still only had 16.44 in average time on ice this year. You could see that rise, and if you see that rise, I would not be surprised to see his stats continue to rise along with it. And you still remember, incredibly young. He had 27 blocks and 116 hits. He's no softy, this guy. He's never missed a game in his regular season career. He huge jump in year two, age 19. Uh, the reason that you may think of him as somebody who can get the short end of the stick on the physical side is because of that time that he challenged Alex Ovechkin to fight in the playoffs last year and uh, subsequently only played nine of his team's 15 games throughout that playoffs because uh, he got the short end of that stick. He played half the season with Warren Fogley and Jordan Stahl. I'll tell you what, the other half, Sebastian Ajo and Toivo Teravainen, that's great. I think with the number of offensively talented players coming up in Carolina, he should be able to get better line mates as time goes by. Once again, a big breakout, young age, and while progression is not going to be linear for a pro prospect like this, uh, there is more to come with Andrei Svechnikov and more than I thought we would see in 2019-2020. And a bonus one for you, I will tell you, because I'm going to pat myself on the back for this one. And that is my man, Roman Yossi. Everybody knows Roman Yossi's pretty good. Nobody doubted that Roman Yossi would be one of the talented defensemen. Uh, a lot of people were kind of looking there and saying, well, you know, he held up very well when P.K. Subban came to town. And would he even take a more prominent role now that he was going to be, uh, once again, kind of the, the lone ranger among the elite power play D-men for the Nashville Predators. I thought all along, and I, I said this in mock drafts, that he was a second-round talent disguised in a fourth-round ADP. Uh, I get Roman Yossi almost everywhere, and he rewarded me uh, with really what could have been classified as late first-round production. Career-high 65 points in 69 games for a D-man. That was 14 even strength for power play goals for 16 total, 30 even strength, 19 power play for 49 assists. That to go along with 260 shots, 108 blocks, 52 hits. He led all D-men in the NHL in assists and shots. As usual, uh, I got a lot of Yossi and I was very, very happy with it. And I wrote him to playoff uh, appearances. Now let's move on to the sellies and chirps. I've seen better hands on a digital clock. Hey bud, I've seen better lettuce at Chipotle. The sellies and chirps is gonna be a little bit quicker this time. I'm not gonna go over the last one. You don't wanna hear how my March uh, 2020 uh, sellies and chirps were for the streamers that I had this week. Those guys only made it two days through the week. So it's kind of irrelevant. Instead, what I wanna do today is I want to look over all and make the point that I was trying to make all season with my with my streamers as I talked about them. I went back and looked at the players that I classified as sellies, the players I classified as chirps, that is, uh, whether they were a successful streamer or whether they were a streamer that was sort of a, a waste for that week. And 
when I added those up, and, and I, there's no objective criteria for this, okay? I, I kind of had a win-loss and tie, or win-loss and overtime loss uh, record that I, I held these guys to. And I said, if, if I generally saw what it was as successful, I would mark that as a win. If it was a loss, it was a loss, and, and so forth, obviously. Doing that, going back through the entire season, I gave myself a record of 44, 20, and 11. That's a pretty good win. That's a really kind of a two-to-one ratio for winning and losing. And that just reminds me, and it should remind you, that sometimes one of the most valuable spots on your roster isn't the spot that goes to the mid-tier star. It is the spot that goes to your streamer. And sometimes it's the spot that goes to two different streamers on your team because you can get performances that if you strung them together over a full season, if you had one player who did what these streamers did in individual weeks, you would have you would have a, a, a much better team, okay? The, the streamer alone would effectively be a, a low-level star player for you if you do a good job identifying and picking up the right guys in every week. And the important part of that is, you know, part of the deal with streamers is getting the extra starts. Yes. But it's also finding the matchups. It's, it's finding the open games that you can get guys in and that can make a huge difference to success or failure for you. Always, 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 uh, maximize your starts. That is one of the few weapons that you truly, truly control after the draft to compete and be uh, be a player to play fantasy hockey. Hi. Would you be prepared if gravity reversed itself? I, well, I... The only thing I can't figure out is how to keep the change in my pocket. Now I'm going to give some shout-outs, folks. It has been a long, great first year podcasting fantasy hockey, but I have not done it alone. And I've been meaning to do this for a long time. But I want to give one more shout out to all the guests that I've had on my show so far this year. Uh, And I'm going to do them ranked not on uh, how much I like them, but kind of uh, when they appeared and how many times they were on. And uh, my number one in terms of uh, number of episodes on, I think you guys know, uh, Victor Nuno is the exceptional, uh, the exceptional guy who comes on and we talk dynasty on a recurring basis. Victor is great with Dynasty, and we plan to get you a lot more Victor and a lot more Dynasty here in the offseason. Victor's been on for nine episodes of Fantasy Hockey Life. Just great, great guy. Love having him around. Second most common is our boy, the one-third of the Average Time on Ice Collective, Ben Burnett. Love me some Ben Burnett. He's been on for eight shows. And he is a member also of that a whole uh, Keeping Carlson family that has been very influential to me in getting more and more involved in fantasy hockey over the years. A third guy who uh, I've loved having on, uh, one of my fantasy hockey podcasting heroes. Can we have fantasy hockey podcasting heroes? One of my early, early influences, Ian Gooding uh, from uh, from the Daily Slapsh- or the Weekly Slapshot podcast from years ago, the first podcast I ever listened to when I was first getting into uh, fantasy hockey uh, on a regular, regular basis. Ian is just exceptional uh, editor over at Dauber Hockey, occasional writer of uh, of columns on there that you're going to want to follow, uh, the ramblings and so forth. 
uh, definitely somebody to pay attention to. I look forward to having Ian on again. Dave Benton, a strong, strong competitor in fantasy hockey leagues, former champion of the Cupful in uh, Keeping Carlson. He was a two-time guest. And then a lot of guys have been around for one time. I had Ryan Williams here, a big L.A. Kings fan who's very knowledgeable on that franchise. Uh, Brandon Altamonte from Fantrax, one of the guys behind the scenes there, but also somebody who knows a lot about statistics, a lot about how uh, these things are put forward, a lot about projecting players. Sorio Dishak, uh, Sorio, my guy, the uh, old podcast co-host for my prior podcast, Chip and Chase, uh, was on. He's a big Sharks fan. He had a lot to say about them. And then, my goodness, we were so fortunate to be blessed with Allison Lucan of the Athletic Columbus Blue Jackets reporter there. Incredible, incredible guest. You can hear her everywhere that you go and listen to important people. I just recently saw her on an online uh, football analytics conference, believe it or not, and uh, followed that. And Allison's just all over the place, and she's into the analytics, and she's into fantasy, and she knows everything about the Blue Jackets, and uh, you should check out all her work. Shana Goldman is uh, is the other half of Allison Lucan, as far as I can tell on Twitter. They are best buddies. Uh, <laughs> Shana also writes fantasy hockey, but primarily New York Rangers for the Athletic, and uh, also, also, also somebody to follow on Twitter and check out her work all over the place. Chris Wassel of Dauber Hockey and about every other thing that has ever happened in fantasy hockey was on the on the show talking some New Jersey Devils with me one week, and I loved having Chris on. I've been following his work for years. Jay Nickel of the New York Islanders blog, James Nickel, and also of Fantrax HQ. It was so exciting. I had him on to talk Isles, very knowledgeable, and then he showed up and he started writing with us at Fantrax HQ. Great guy, great guy, great read. And uh, I was so uh, pleased to get to know that guy. Chris Maselli from Locked On Abs. Locked On Abs, one of my favorite Locked On shows. Uh, that's a, a great uh, network of podcasts. Not, not better than our network of podcasts, but great for listening to uh, episodes about individual teams on basically a daily basis. And Chris knew so much about the Avs. Such an exciting team this year. Brought a lot of enthusiasm, and I love following him on Twitter as well. Had C.J. Woodling from Anaheim Calling. Uh, what a guy. Uh, loved having C.J. on. Loved talking Ducks. Ducks kind of uh, are in a, a bit of a pivot right now, but he made me drool about Trevor Zegras, and uh, I will never, never forget him for that. <laughs> and then finally, uh, my last uh, episode, my last guest, I believe, uh, aside from Victor, but my, my last new guest before uh, things kind of closed up shop. Robbie Stanley from NHL.com and Locked On Predators was, wow, uh, such a professional and knows his stuff about the Preds, uh, another team that I love to follow from afar, having uh, previously uh, been a frequent visitor to that stadium and follower of that franchise. Okay, uh, so I, I know nobody likes the closing credits. I was waiting for the music to play me off stage as that went along, but... Uh, you know, sometimes you have to stop and be grateful. And this is the time to do it as we kind of pivot. Uh, folks, I think in some ways, this break that we've had from hockey to when hockey actually starts to play may well be longer than the break between when we resume and when the next season begins. I, 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 can't, I can't anticipate that they're going to have more than a couple of months off 
after they play their Stanley Cup playoffs or proto Stanley Cup playoffs, we may be getting close to the halfway mark there, which means we really do seriously, seriously have some value to start thinking about what happened this year and at least starting to prepare for the year to come. It's sort of sort of been the off season for the last couple of months, even though we're presumably mid-season right now. Uh, but really what we are is an extended, extended layoffs between regular season and a playoffs that we hope will happen. So I would invite listeners to send questions to me here at, at Fan Hockey Life. Uh, that's on Twitter that you can follow. Uh, I'd love to get more questions and to answer them on the podcast. Of course, we'll be having some more guests, some more knowledgeable opinions on answering those and Victor usually does a good job of harvesting some good dynasty questions, so be on the lookout for that as well. And uh, just generally hang around. I hope I still am subscribed in your podcast feed. I hope you're still willing to leave me a rate and review. And uh, don't deduct me stars because I've been gone for a while. <laughs> We've finally got a little bit of hockey to talk about, and it's time that we probably can get uh, well into some of this off-season content. Follow some of my colleagues here at uh, Fan, uh, Fantrax HQ. There's a lot of good shows that are still going. Baseball, they're they're really hoping this season's finally going to start. And the Nasty Cast and Fantrax Dynasty Baseball are still going strong with Nate Dockin, Ron Rigney, and Van Lee, and uh, the occasional Eric Cross up there in that Dynasty stuff. And then uh, you can listen to Rob Silver, Jeff Zimmerman, and Van Lee on the Launch Angle podcast. And those are all ones that I have subscribed to in my feed and am hoping that baseball will also come back. It's going to just be a crush, all the sports happening at once, we hope, in uh, July and August and sort of that time frame. But I'm going to look forward to all of those things happening. Okay, well, uh, we'll see how much the rust came off, how much uh, interest this episode will be able to generate for our listeners and until next time thank you for listening to fantasy hockey life